Our first message today will be brought to us by Mr. Steve Andrews. It is entitled, Samuel and the Way of Kings. Greetings to all and greetings to those who might be tuning in to us today. I um, I actually worked from Sunday through Friday this week. And uh, one of the things that gets really, really boring is listening to the radio. No matter what uh, channel you get, you either get a lot of news with a lot of commercials or you get a lot of music that just so anyway I uh, several years ago I actually acquired a cassette tape set of Al- Alexander Scorby's um, King James version of the Bible and my old car <laughs> from 2005 actually has a cassette player in it that actually works which it's hard to find anymore and I started thought, thinking, well, I should just go grab some of those and start playing them. And I am really, really glad that I did because I, I have been learning a lot just by listening to the Bible being, being read. And, of course, if you've never heard Alexander Scorby read the Bible, um, you will be so pleased at how interesting he is. Uh, and when there is a dramatic thing, he, he, his voice comes up and he's very dramatic. When there is <laughs> names that none of us can pronounce, he just walks through them like they're just so easy to do and just makes it sound like, uh, wow, I should be reading it that way. <laughs> but anyway, I would, <clears throat> as I was getting through, I didn't, I, instead of starting at the beginning, you know, Genesis 1, I just grabbed one in the, kind of in the middle um, of the, the Old Testament, and I grabbed one from... The book of Judges, and so I started looking, listening to the book of Judges and and Samson and and Gideon and and all of the different ones that through there, and it was so very interesting that I just kept right on listening, and and I'm already up to to Solomon's temple and Solomon's uh, as he built the temple and all the things that are in it, but what also struck me was how interesting. Um, some of the things, especially some of the battles that were fought with the uh, uh, the, uh, the Philistines, and some of uh, David's mighty men, he has some mighty men. Uh, one of those men was uh, able to fight off 800 Philistines by himself, just with a sword. And another one um, was the, the guy that went down into the pit, slew a lion on a snowy day. If you've not ever seen that one, it's very interesting. Lawrence used to love to, to quote that one. <laughs> uh, and then there was David himself. And of course, you know, David went up against Goliath and slew Goliath and, and took the sword and cut Goliath's head off. Well. Instead of picking the sword up there, as a younger person, he actually left that sword, and someone else picked it up. And while he was running away from Saul, he actually got some, some help from this uh, person. He ended up 
staying with him. And he didn't have a, he didn't have a weapon on him at all. And this person said, oh, I, over in the corner is, is um, Goliath's sword. Now, if you've ever read anything about Goliath's sword, it's huge and big and heavy. And yet David just picked it up just like it was nothing and started using it. So it's very interesting to go through and, um, and listen to what um, is in the Bible and some of the things that, that happen in history. What I wanted to do today, though, in a very short little period of time that I, that I have, because the judges were a very intricate part of what God um, did with Israel. When, when in fact, what it was was that they actually judged Israel whenever Israel (laughs) would get into trouble and they would ask for repentance and they would, uh, because they were troubled with one of the other of the one of the different ones that were out there uh, trying to battle them and take over. And so they would pray and God would send a judge like Samson and others. And it's interesting at the end of the book of Judges in verse 25, uh, uh, chapter 21 and verse, I, I think I said I put down 20, but it is 21 and verse 25. In those days there was no king in Israel Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Kind of sounds like America to me, doesn't it? (laughs) Everyone was doing whatever they wanted to do and whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. So, coming down to the time um, when there was going to be an end to the judges and the beginning of the kings, a very interesting and very profound thing um, happened, and God blessed a prayer with a miracle. And it was a young woman. I, I'm assuming she was young. She may not have been. She may have been older. A lot of times, uh, you know, they were able to have children even later in life. And so this lady, this woman, was named Hannah. And she came to God, and she prayed. And the only way that I know to bring this out is like Alexander Scorby does, which is to read it. And so I'm going to take some time, and I'm going to read about a little bit about Samuel today and some of the things that, 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 that transpired to bring him into the position in which his um, position as a judge ended and the the position of the kings began. Now, I don't know if I can get quite that far or not, but I'm going to give it a try. And so out of the New King James Version, rather than the King James Version, I'm going to go ahead and read. And starting in Samuel, the, the, it's actually all of us understand that the, the first and second Samuel, actually the first and second books of the kings. Samuel is a very short period of time in, in there in which the events happen, and then the rest of the, the two books are all about those, the kings, of David and Solomon, and continuing on. So we see these things that God 
still was involved in what Israel was doing, but there was going to be a very big change, and mainly because of the sins of, of Israel and the sins even of the, of the judges that were uh, involved in this. Now, there was a certain man um, of Ramathayim, Zophim of the mountain of Ephraim, and his name was Elkinah, and the son of Jeraham, and the son of Elihu, and the son of Tobah, the son of Zepha, an Ephraimite. And by the way, I probably did not pronounce any of those just right, so <laughs> just bear with me. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was um, Peninnah, and I think that's how you pronounce it, Peninnah, had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in, Shil- in Shiloh. And also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. And whenever the time came that Elkanah <coughs> to make an offering, uh, he would give a portion to Phinehas and his wife and all of his sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. And although the Lord had closed her womb, and her, and her rival also provoked her severely, to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, <clears throat> her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why your heart is grieved? Am I not better than ten sons? Well, he was trying to comfort her, I, I can tell. <laughs> There's no way to comfort her. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking uh, in Shiloh. And now Eli the priest was sitting at the seat of the de- uh, doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And sometimes we have to do that, don't we? Because we come before God and we weep in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your, hand, of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give, <clears throat> give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in, in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, 
and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel. Um, God is L. Samuel. He says, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man, Elkanah, and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you, and wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. The woman stayed and nursed her son until she she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bowls and one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you uh, here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore... I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. And Hannah prayed this prayer. Um, makes me feel kind of very small when I pray after reading what Hannah prays. It is, you know, sometimes um, we should look into the Bible and maybe come up with some prayers even for Thanksgiving. But this is so heartfelt and so powerful that Hannah prays this prayer to God, and it is, it is one, <clears throat> a marvelous prayer. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you nor is there any rock like our God. Take no more so, um, talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The, bow, the, the bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among the princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. For the heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the, the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, 
But the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Just one verse here. I'd like to, to, as I don't want to go through all of this today, but Eli and his sons were were not, um, as we would say, very righteous uh, people. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt, it says in verse 12. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom of the people was that when the man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servants would come with three pronged flesh hooks in his hands while the meat was boiling. In other words, they would, they were very corrupt and they did very uh, a lot of, of things that uh, very much displeased the Lord. And I would like to go to a chapter, um, chapter two, beginning. And let's see, I've already done that. And verse twelve, I read that one. Let's go to chapter seven. In between that, of course, the. Uh, <laughs> um, the Ark of the Lord was actually captured by the uh, uh, Philistines and taken in and put in front of Dagon. And they slept one night, and the next morning, Dagon was bowing before the uh, Ark of the Lord. <laughs> so they set Dagon back up on his pedestal. And the next day, Dagon was laying on the ground, and his head was broken off. So the Philistines said, mm, maybe we better move this thing. So they started moving around, and everywhere they moved it, something happened to the people that, were, that, that had it in their possession. So they finally decided, uh, we've got to get this rid of it. So they, they actually ended up sending it back to Israel, and it ended up in a, a very special place for a while, and that person that had it was very well blessed. In chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, Then the men of uh, Kerdesh-Yerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of uh, Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. So it was that the ark remained in uh, Kerdesh-Yerim a long time. It was there twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asteroids from among you, and prepare your hearts for, the, uh, hearts for the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the asteroids and served the Lord only. It's interesting, as you go through the scriptures and you read, you realize that the children of Israel like to grab the idols of the different people around them, and they would gather those idols, and then God would be very wrathful, and he would not be uh, in, uh, very much favorable, and they would have a lot of trials and tribulations. And only when someone would say, okay, you need to get rid of these, did they get rid of them. And it's kind of like America, isn't it? We keep these idols around, and it keeps really putting us down and giving us a lot of problems in, in, in our country. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, poured it out before the Lord, and they fasted that day and said, We have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. 
Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a, a suckling lamb and offered it a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, and the Philistines drew near to the battle against Israel, the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drew, drove them back in as far as below beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called his name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord had helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come any more into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines, and also there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went from one year to uh, year, to year um, on the circuit uh, to Bethel, Gilgal, uh, Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. But he always returned to Ramah, for his home was there. There he judged Israel, and there he built an altar to the Lord. In chapter 8, we find something beginning to happen. You see all that we just read, and there was peace, and and, uh, the judgment was done, just like in the book of Judges. Uh, God would hear the judge's prayer. He would come in. He would would take care of the problem. And then there was peace. But now something was happening. Something was changing. And it actually happened because of uh, Samuel and and his own Sons. So, in chapter 8, we find out the beginning of when the um, kings were asked by Israel and when they began uh, to be taken in. Now, it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, but his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you're old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. Remember, during the Joshua and Judges, it was always God that intervened and, did, and took care of them. And now those things are going to change as, as we see as 
um, we begin to, to put kings in place. According to all the works which you, they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day which, which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice, and however you shall solemnly forswear, uh, forewarn them, and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. Then he said, This will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and, and to be his horsemen, and, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, and will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment uh, for his chariots. He will take, his do- take your daughters to be uh, perfumer, perfumers and cooks and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take and make your servants... Um, Uh, make servants, your female servants, and your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and he will be, and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in the day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said no, but we will have a king over us that we uh, also may be like all the nations that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and, re- and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice, make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to his city. So what happened there is that God chose Saul <laughs> and you know and, uh, and he was anointed and actually Samuel actually went out and, and found him and anointed him and told him he was going to be king over Israel and we understand that Saul then sinned against God and sinned in his position and so God rejected Saul and not only did he reject him, but he also took the spirit that he had given to him away from him and put a um, kind of an evil spirit that would trouble him occasionally. Well, after he had rejected um, Saul, he chose David. Now, David, of course, was a man over God, after God's own heart, even though David had a lot of problems. <laughs> If you've ever studied anything on David, you know that David was, was, a, was a warrior, was a, a powerful warrior. And he loved to, to, to wield a sword. And, and he also was um, someone that would take quick revenge if needed be. And he even was kept from killing a man just because he was rejected by a, the man's woman, the man's wife whose name was Abigail, who eventually he ended up marrying and taking as a wife. 
So David then uh, ruled Israel for 40 years and did good and did the right things. And it's, it's interesting, and I wanted to, to, to end on this one thought because it, it, um, it, it has always troubled me a little bit why David said this in Psalm 51. And now I got to realizing after I heard the, um, about Saul and what God did to him, why David in Psalm 51 said these words, in the beginning in verse um, 10. Remember, he had sinned against God by taking Bathsheba, and, and then he, were, he had uh, um, fasted while the child was still living, and as soon as the child died, he quit fasting and everything. But he, he wrote this psalm based on that uh, sin that he had created, that he had done. And he said, and I'm not going to read all of it, I'm just going to pick it up here in, in verse 10. He said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David actually sat and played um, his harp or whatever it was that he had in front of Saul when Saul was um, in a, a very foul spirit. And a few times, Saul would actually pick up a spear and throw it at him. Um, for a, a long time, David had to run from Saul. He had to keep on the move because Saul was out to kill him. And I, I think he realized that after he had had this sin, he needed God to, to be reassured from God that he would not take away that spirit from him. And that's so precious in our sight is the spirit of God that dwells in us the spirit that God has given us, it is a, um, a wonderful blessing to have it, and so always cherish it. And during this Thanksgiving time, be thankful to God for the, for the, for the family that we have, for the freedoms that we have, and for the time that <clears throat> we have on this earth, as all of those are fleeting but also be thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the plan that God and the Father and Jesus have for us in his kingdom.